Hey family, thank you for following and trusting the path that led you here. This is Flow Space, Conscious Conversations with J&D. I'm Jerrica. And I'm Deandra. Our discussions will be led by intuition and spirit as we continue to evolve and learn about what it means to live an earthly human experience. Today we have Dan from Orange County Paranormal New York joining us. Dan is a paranormal investigator. Happy October. Welcome to Flow Space. We're so excited to have you join us today as we kick off our spooky season series. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Dan Pacella. Um, I am a uh, sales trainer. Uh, my wife Emily and I do this together. She's a special ed teacher and uh We've been married for about 17 years. Hope I got that right. And uh, been doing this kind of thing for about six or seven. So. Wow. How did it get started? <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. I mean, we've always been, it started with me being very interested in the field and reading books and doing like most people do, watch TV shows, stuff like that. And um, one year for an anniversary gift, she decided, let's see what we really think of this. And she bought us tickets to be locked in into Rolling Hills Asylum with a bunch of people, um, you know, because that's a typical anniversary gift. And, uh, you know, because she's like, you know, we read the books, we watch TV shows, you know, let's see. Let's see if you'll run to it or, or away from it. And uh, so that's how it that's how this whole thing started. We started doing stuff like that. And then not too long after we decided it would be better for us just to do things on our own instead of in large groups of people with you know, there were, you know, 40 people walking around with various, various understandings of what's going on and various, various levels of interest. That's really cool. So can you tell us a little bit about like how you view the, like the entities? I'm not too familiar with the exact wording or verbiage, you know, as you might be in, in the field, but based on like an energetic standpoint, because I definitely believe in energy, whether it's in this physical human body or when we transition over, our energy can linger, or, you know, stay around or go somewhere else. So do you feel that you have that connection to sensing energies or how does it work for you? Well, for us, we are a um, we are what I guess you'd be, we'd be dubbed as a scientific group, even though that's a problematic term uh, where we use technology, we use equipment. Now, none of us are psychic or gifted or cursed depending on who you talk to because those who really have the gift tend to view it as a gift um but you know your body becomes your body's a tool the more you use it the more fine-tuned you become so yeah we can send we we have we can feel a connection we can walk through a place and emily my wife is much more in tune with it than i am um i would explain it as being i can feel a room's charged up, she can kind of feel the emotion attached to it um, a lot better than I can. Um, but no, I mean, we've run into, there's all different kinds of energy. Sometimes you feel like you want to be in a room with it. Sometimes you feel like it doesn't want you there. Sometimes it feels happy. Sometimes it feels sad. Uh, sometimes it tugs on your jacket as a joke and sometimes it pushes you down the stairs. So there's, uh, you know, there's, we've run into so many different kinds. Every spirit it has its, is its own kind of energy, just like people. I always say dealing with the dead isn't that much different than dealing with the living. Uh, every one of them has been different um, in their own very unique and special way. Um, it's interesting how you feel 
you get bonded to that energy. Like, you know, you, it's kind of like old friends in places we've investigated a bunch of times. And, uh, to the point that they become that it's an energy that almost feels like it's another person in the room. That's so cool. When you initially began this work, what was your intention with, um, actually going out into the field and doing this? You know, it, I wanted to see if it actually was like what you saw on TV and what you read in the books and, uh, it isn't, and it's actually better, uh, for someone like me. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not sure we had any kind of philosophical mission or, or there was no like unfinished business. Like we, you know, I had a paranormal experience as a kid, but it didn't like, you know, guide me toward this existence. It, it's not nearly that romantic or that interesting. It's, it's really a, an issue of, it's something that we're fascinated with. I like questions that I can't possibly answer. And I always say anybody who tells you they know what they're talking about in this field um, or it gives you an absolute reason for something does not know what they're talking about because we actually don't know what any of these things really are. We can speculate, we can use context clues and that's, that's the draw. It's a mystery that we cannot possibly solve. And I think that's what keeps coming back because you learn something new about a spirit, the location, and yourself every single time you do it. But plus, also, we're also history buffs. And you can't do this kind of thing without loving the history because you're talking to the history. All these all these spirits, all these energies are existing in the same place. And for whatever reason, sometimes they interact, sometimes they don't, sometimes they interact with different people. And that's really the draw for us is the fact that, you know, every time we get an answer to a question, it just poses seven more questions. Yeah, that's so fun. Like it's a web of unlimited possibilities and things. Now, based on the experience you have doing this kind of work and all of the experiences that you've encountered while doing it, what do you believe exists after this human experience? You know, it's it's a, it's a good question. And I've I've seen different variations and and I'll tell you it's funny. I've never been I've never been a vet spiritual of a of a person. Uh forgive I'm doing it's my home office and my dogs will bark upstairs. Um, uh, I, I've never, I have, this has made me more spiritual than, than before. I'm not sure why that is exactly, but I just, I, I've heard so many interpretations and there are so many things written and so many things we've experienced that it, it almost seems like everything is here for its own particular reason. You know, I mean, yeah, we've all know, we all, the classic idea of unfinished business and, and somebody's here because there's something that was left unfinished. But we've I've run into enough spirits that seem to want to be where they are, like almost that it's a choice. And, you know, I actually uh, we had knew an investigator who once said, you know, if this place was heaven for somebody when they were alive, why can't it be when they no longer are? Um, I found that spirits are there for certain people, um, it seems like, based on the evidence. I mean, we don't really know. But then you do wonder why somebody is still around. And, and some of them do might have something left undone. Um, and some of it's residual energy. That's just, why is this energy still here? Why does it repeat itself? Because some of these things will talk to you and some of them will not talk to you. Uh, some of them don't even know you're there. And these energies are, it, it's amazing to me. And, and why they're still here is hard. We ask every spirit, you know, what can we do for you? Why are you, why are you still here? And we rarely get a satisfactory answer to that question, which begs the follow-up. Do they know why they're still here? Do they understand 
what it is. What are they seeing? I always say I would love to see what these spirits see. Um, you know, because this energy, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not free flowing. It, it occupies the same places that they occupied when they were alive. You know, in most cases, um, you know, there are places we go to that the old part of the house that's been there since 1860 is haunted, but the new section that was built 15 years ago, nothing. And, you know, how come that energy doesn't understand that there's a door there? So yeah. there are, it almost seems that they are limitless in what they can do and that there are limitations on what they can do at the same time. And every, every one of these spirits and locations is different. So in a roundabout way of not actually answering that question, because I don't have the answer, um, I, I've kind of come to believe that these spirits, <clears throat> a lot of them are where they want to be because they want to be there. But there are spirits who who are there for some reason and are there to try to do something and they want to be heard and they want to be understood and some talk to us more than others. Um, but there's no real, real answer to that, unfortunately. But I guess if we answered it, we would do what we do. So it kind of the fact that we can answer it, uh, I guess, keeps it interesting. Yeah. Do you find that like your belief could change based on like experience to experience on like you go into one um, investigation, let's say with a prior belief and then something happens and then you change. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it can, it can happen that way. Um, you know, you, it's, <clears throat> you try to go in without any predispositions on anything, <clears throat> you know, and, but that's impossible because we as human beings do that <laughs> no matter how hard we try, mm -hmm. uh, we try not to do that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I always say that every you are a different person after every single investigation. And whether that's, I mean, I'm not talking about a seismic shift in philosophy, mm -hmm. but something happens or you hear something or you experience something. Or when I'm reviewing the evidence, I, I hear something and it changes you. I don't know. It's tough to put into words exactly how it changes you. For me, the one thing this has done over the last, you know, six or seven years we've been doing this is it's actually given me hope. Um, I don't worry. Death is not an end. I've seen enough to show that that it isn't. What it is, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's not the end. I always tell, I always joke with my wife that, you know, if she, if she can kill me if she wants to, because there's seven things in my office she can talk to me with. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it's sort of a, yeah, it, a little bit of, I, I view it as a hopeful thing. Um, because from what I've seen, I mean, we don't delve in or subscribe that much to the darker side of a lot of this, but, but from what we've seen, it's like some of these spirits are very happy to be where they are. Some of them aren't, but, uh, but it's nice to see that they have, that most of them seem to have some kind of reason for being there. And I'm glad you touched on the dark side of things. Cause I feel, you know, there can be a, a predisposition, um, for some who may perceive this as something that's like of the dark and not of just, you know, our existence here. Could you elaborate as to how that's not the case from your experience? Well, I honestly think that, um, the, the, the thing I blame the most for that perception is probably the travel channel. Um, <laughs> the TV shows, uh, they make you think like every week we find Satan in somebody's basement. And <laughs> I have talked to people who have done this for 30 and 40 years and have never run into a demonic entity, but yet everybody on every television show does every week. And that's fine. It's, it's good for ratings. Those shows over dramatize the whole thing anyway. But I mean, again, dealing with the dead is not that different than dealing with the living and some people who are alive are jerks. 
and some people who are alive are very nice. And it, I find it's the same way. Um, I have not encountered um, any kind of demonic spirit in our travels. We don't, you know, I always say in this field, if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it. Um, we tend to not look for trouble because I'm not qualified to deal with that. We get people who email us all the time. You know, I have this and I'm like, you need a priest, not some schmuck with a couple of cameras. Like, I'm not trained to do this. <laughs> um, you know, if you need a plumber, call a plumber. <laughs> you know, don't call, don't call the electrician. It's, but, you know, what I've discovered is, you know, d demonic and all that elemental stuff aside, if a spirit doesn't want you around, they'll let you know. They'll tell you. They'll tell you to get out. I always say an investigation hasn't started until something's told me to get out. And it doesn't escalate the way that, like, for example, it does on television. Because, I mean, yes, my wife did get pushed down the stairs in Bergen, Burlington County Prison in New Jersey by an unseen force. And I mean pushed because she knocked me over that was in front of her. And obviously that was – that's a prison. I mean, you're going to have spirits of people there who – probably weren't the most friendly people in the world. That's an extreme example. That's happened once in six years. Um, you know, so it's a negative thing. There's also this notion of, you know, getting scratched and it's terrible. No, getting scratched can simply be a way of them trying to get your attention. Um, but when it comes to, you know, negative entities and things like that, I think the, the, the field's temptation i think is to try to provoke and try to incite something like that and I, and honestly i think half the reason that a lot of investigators choose to do that is um ratings and subscribers like it, it makes really good television it makes a really good youtube video to say I, I poked the demon in the basement of letchworth but it's not something that that happens that often unless you seek it out and if you seek it out i hope you're trained to do it <laughs> because you know there is no course on how to be an investigator there is no professional training in this regardless of how many twitter handles say they're a professionally trained investigator there isn't um for the demonic side yes there is it's called you know religious priesthood things like that these people are trained to deal with that um we don't we try to avoid it uh just because we're not qualified to deal with it like i don't believe in opening any door i don't know how to close um it's why we don't use ouija boards i don't know how to close that door <laughs> so why would i open it um you know, if you look for trouble, you're going to find it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of like a philosophy that carries on through all of life, whether you're working with the living or those who have already transitioned into whatever's out there. Um, but I want to backtrack a little bit. Can you walk us through what exactly it is? Like when you go into a space, what are the tools that you're using? Like, is it just EMF devices or, you know, like what is it that you're using to begin that communication um, do you have any form of like a ritual that you speak a prayer or something like to keep you safe? Like, how does that look? So at the beginning, I, I do what my, my wife calls the preamble. Um, always introduce ourselves, always give the names of each person we're with, especially at a new location. And I also make a point um, to show respect. I respect, I think the line I always use, I respect, we respect who you are, who you were, the life you lead and the life you're leading now. Cause you have to speak in present tense sometimes. So I use both because <clears throat> they don't, sometimes they don't know that it's 2022. They, to them it's still 1849. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I honestly, I, 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 I say it right from the start. I'm like, we're going to treat you with respect and we therefore expect to, to be treated with respect in turn. And I, you know, <laughs> 
I, you just have to tell them, <laughs> you know, like we're going to treat you with respect and then you have to treat them with respect. And most of the time I find that they, that, 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 that seems to be an agreement that everybody agrees to, um, which is, you know, and, and, you know, we, everybody has their thing. My wife wears a, wears a cross around her neck. I have a couple black tourmaline crystal things. People ask us about protection all the time. And my theory is, look, if, if you think it works, that's protection. You know, people who, you know, I, somebody sent me a cross one time and I'm like, well, that's great. But what if the spirit I'm dealing with isn't a Christian? <laughs> like, that's not going to work. But the power to fight that actually comes from within. So the protection that you get from something actually just enables your own spirit to be more confident in standing up to that. That's what I believe anyway. I'm probably not right, but I'm probably not wrong either. Um, so, you know, so we do that. We say hello. And, 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 you know, we tell them, look, we're going to be nice. We're not, we don't provoke. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and try to get you to punch me in the face. Um, I'll put my foot down if, I, if something happens I don't like, but, uh, but we come out with respect. Respect is a word I use a lot early on. Um, and when we investigate, we use, God, we use just about everything. Um, we, I found that we, we use a lot of like stationary cameras. Um, and I'm finding from locations, that's actually a little bit rare. Um, we have about eight or nine cameras, depending on if the location's big enough, uh, that I'll set up to cover places we're not even in. So because we'll find that a lot of times, <clears throat> especially the first time we go somewhere, the activity will happen away from us, which makes total sense. Because if you're meeting somebody for the first time, you're probably going to be standoffish. There was a there was a farmhouse we investigated in Sharon Springs, New York, and it was funny because I would always capture the evidence as far away from us as we were could be, but they were talking about us. And <laughs> they would repeat something that we said on the other side of the house. And wow. you know, so, so that helps having that equipment, um, which you know we like to use. And then what we use, we use a lot of EMF detectors, a lot of K2 stuff. Um the Mel meter, which is the one they see on all the TV shows with the, with the thing. it has the milligauss on it for electromagnetic energy. It has the temperature. I have several different versions of an EMF detector. Um, and we just basically use that to find, you know, in a place with no power, there should be no EM spikes. You know, it just helps us kind of hone in on it. Um, <clears throat> we don't use things like dowsing rods. I don't discredit them. We just, it's just not part of our mantra is to use equipment uh, to do this. And, uh, but we use that kind of equipment to try and get a hot spot or to debunk something. You know, if somebody says they really feel uncomfortable and I take out a Mel and I put it up against the wall and there's a huge EMF spike because there's power cables or something that can affect perception that can affect a large amount of electromagnetic energy can actually make you feel claustrophobic and make you feel uncomfortable. Um, you'd be surprised how many things we've <laughs> debunked as that. Um, we use, you know, digital recorders. We use thermal cameras, thermal cameras, you know, for because, you know, spiritual energy tends to be a different temperature it actually tends to be cooler helps us find it um we use a lot of different you know we use a polaroid camera we use full spectrum we use every piece of equipment you can possibly use early on we use the emf detectors more because we weren't as in tune as to what it was we were looking for now you know we walk into a room and my wife and i kind of exchange a glance um because when we're touring a place with people we don't like to we don't like to know everything. And um, some, we just kind of throw each other a glance so that we know that we feel something here, but we don't like 
let other people know because sometimes that'll you can get preconditioned and we don't want preconditioned at all my favorite locations are the ones that don't tell us anything and they just go up eh, go set up your camera see what you find and uh you know we, we uh worked with the people at hyde hall up in cooperstown new york and they they didn't tell us anything purposely would not tell us anything um and all the places we caught stuff were places that were the hot spots because it, it just tends to happen that way so but yeah, we use there. If there's a piece of equipment out there, there's there's a good chance we've used it, and uh, to great expense. This is not an inexpensive hobby. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure all of those machines and devices. Now, when you say that you and your wife, um, you know, shoot each other a look, a glance, like when you send something, do you find that both of you, like, is one of one of you sensing something before the other, or is it like a mutual feeling, like you both feel it? She's better at it. Uh, than I am. She, she's more in tune with it than I am, but she's also more focusing on it than I am. When we're touring a location, I'm usually concerning myself with where I'm going to put a camera. So she can dedicate a hundred percent of her energy toward, you know, trying to get a feel for the place. I'm trying to find an angle that'll help me shoot the whole room. <laughs> so, uh, cause I do all the tech. Um, so, you know, so it comes from her, but there, but there are some places you go where you can just tell, like you feel the hair on your arms stand up and it just feels charged up. And when that happens, I, I can, I can do it. Um, but a lot, but we don't like to vocalize it uh, because we found that when we do, people start launching into anecdotes and stories, which, which are valid. And we love to hear people's stories, but when we're doing an investigation. We do not want to be preconditioned. Um, we want to go in and see for ourselves because a place isn't haunted until it proves it to me that's always my mantra it's a mantra of most I, I think investigators out there so i don't want to know um i want to know or say i want to know as little as possible like tell me where to put a camera but don't tell me what i might catch on it yeah it i feel it upholds the integrity of the investigation it reminds me of like a medium if you go to obviously there's scammers everywhere but if you go to a legitimate medium they should not be fee uh, fed any information prior. They should be able to, you know, connect and then give the information to you. So that kind of reminds me of that. And I wanted to ask, have you ever gone into an, an investigation that you bring along a medium or anybody who actually like says that they can communicate with spirits just by channeling? We've worked in the past um, with a, with a, with a, a medium. I don't know. Medium's probably the wrong word, but she's creepy gifted um <laughs> and uh at a and this was pre-covid we haven't done much since because everybody's kind of trying to stay away from each other but and um the legit ones are amazing like and and actually the legit ones tell me to set up the camera while they're doing it and it's amazing to me um i didn't get a ton when i worked with her but i but her sons were showing me some things where she would say something <laughs> and they would catch an evp of it they would catch a voice on a recorder of somebody saying the same thing like that she was sensing. Um, it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing thing to have. The problem with it is that it's not something that's necessarily shareable. And our rule is if it didn't happen, if I don't capture it or record it, it didn't happen. And I can't capture and record someone who's just channeling this through a gift that they might have. Um, it's funny. I always get the, I always joke that everybody, everybody, uh, thinks they're a psychic. <laughs> I get, I get 10 emails a week. I'm a psychic. I'd love to join your group. I'm like this many people cannot possibly be psychics or mediums. They could not be this many people with this gift, but the ones who legit have it, I, I've seen them in action and they are amazing. Um, but again, the drawback with 
the way we do things is I don't have a recording of it. And I can't just have me saying, oh, I sense this, that to me, I can't publish that as evidence because it just, I don't have anything to back it up with. I mean, look, I, I've, I didn't capture the, the one time I saw a full body apparition. I did not capture it on camera. Therefore it did not happen. And uh, we didn't even discuss it in the video we made because I know I saw it. I don't know what I saw. I don't like when people say I know what I saw because no, you don't. But <laughs> but um, I know what I think I saw and I know the shape that I saw, but my camera didn't see it. So it didn't happen. And that's kind of the unfortunate part of dealing of working with people who are who are psychic. Um, it's great when we find somebody like Tina, for example, who, who was willing to work with a group like us. Um, because we're will, I, I love other methodologies. I love working with other groups and learning what they do. Um, it's rare to find a group that focuses on that that, that 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 loves working with people like us because they think we won't get along. But uh, we try to get along with everybody. <laughs> yeah, and it it really um, brings forward like I have to share because I definitely think that every human being is capable of having. Like I avoid from um, labeling them as gifts because I think all of us as energetic beings. Um, have these abilities. It's just the more connected we are to them and how we develop them. And if we decide to take that path where we develop a strong connection to all of the energy that exists, whether it's visible or not. But um, I can see how like working with a medium, how that can be contradictive, because like you said, a lot of the times it's that unseen and it's only a felt energy exchange. So when you would take that scientific approach, it can almost like discredit the person's abilities or you know whatever they're doing yeah and i think that's where the conflict between the two types of groups lie mm -hmm. just because i'm not accepting it as the kind of evidence i'll publish does not mean it isn't legit it's extremely legit I, anything a person feels is legit <laughs> i mean if you feel something it's it's a legitimate feeling you are having um but yeah and it's it's it, i i'd love to work with more because i think um i i think there's a way to bridge the two um, but at the same time, it's just, it's something we, we used to do. We haven't done it much. Um, I know a couple of locations are, uh, that we work with very closely are, are actually having a medium come in and they've actually said they kind of want to pair us up to see. And, and honestly, the thing is though, the thing I like about using that kind of energy is it can set the table for actual, for finding evidence to use. A, I'll use a story from, a, from one of our favorite locations, Grapevine Farms in Cobleskill, New York. Um, they have a basement where um, there's a medium went downstairs and said, there's a child down here. I feel like there's a child down here. There's a child down here. And no one had ever really gone down there before. And like a week later, we did our first ever investigation there. And because she had said that, it at least gave me and Emily a, a, a basis to ask, start asking questions. Because they were like, yeah, they said there was a kid down here. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I and we're like, well, we'll ask about it. We'll find. And then, ever since, every time we've gone there, we get Michael, who's eight years old, every single time. We wouldn't have thought to start asking that question if the medium hadn't said something. Another similar thing is in the attic of that exact same location where she said there's a Civil War soldier up here. Didn't make a lot of sense because that building wasn't there. Well, it was there, but not the main, not the big part of it. And we're like, well, well, we'll ask about it. And I've picked up evidence of a soldier. Stuff we wouldn't have thought about because you don't think Civil War and Cobleskill, New York. You think Revolutionary War and, and that part of New York. But so it's in, there, there is a way to bridge the gap. Um, and, you know, the scientific side and the 
the medium side of it, uh, of, of this field don't always get along and we should all get along better. The whole paranormal community should get along better, but, uh, there's a way, there's a way to connect them. And, uh, I've enjoyed what we've done with them and we'll probably do it again someday, but again, it can, it can set the table to their evidence and their, their can set the table for us getting actual evidence better. So there's a way to do that. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I would love to see that happen. Um, because like in conversations that Deandra and I have, and I find it a lot like in that spiritual community that there's that preconceived notion that the science sometimes backs things up, but until people see like the hard evidence, it's like, no, you're making it up or like, it's not real. Well, we still get that after we present it. I mean, every, (laughs) every video I've ever put out, I get somebody telling me that I faked it. And I always wonder what they think my special effects budget is. (laughs) <laughs> we're, not, we're not paid to do this. We don't charge for anything we do. We've never made a dime doing this. We, oh. It costs a lot of money. This is a passion that is costing us money, not making us money. So the, I, I have nothing to gain by faking oh. anything. And, the, and, and we work so hard to put this stuff out, um, you know, but every single time, every single, and it's other paranormal people who fight with each other about what is real and what isn't. And, and it, it, it's funny. It, it's yeah. So even if you have it on camera, people don't believe it, which in today's world, we shouldn't be surprised about it all, but mm. um, we do the best we can to prove something isn't. Um, I don't publish 90% of the things that we get. I do publish the 10 that I'm confident that I can confidently say that we feel is something outside of the realm of normal. Oh, that's so fascinating that, you know, it's a completely just passion oriented um, driving what you and your wife do together and also collaborating with others for the sheer reason of just following what you feel called to do. It's so powerful because um, I feel like it even adds another layer of integrity to what you're doing because it's not for like a personal gain kind of thing. Yeah, that's part of the main reason why. Um, we decided for, first early on, we do not charge. Uh, we do not accept money um, because <clears throat> what am I charging you for? <laughs> like you, we're talking about something that you actually have to believe exists for me to show you as a result. I mean, I'm in I'm in the business world and that just doesn't work for a transaction. But what also is is cool about it is we I think we get to do some things that that other you know, other groups don't get to do because we don't charge. Um, we're doing a bunch of events in October and all of them benefit museums and businesses. They benefit the places that have these spirits. And that's, and for us, that's great. Giving, you know, about doing that, um, meeting new people, getting connected with history, more helping a museum. Um, you know, those are those. And, and, and for us learning the history, we have done things that most people don't get to do. And it, it's a lot of fun. And but it all comes from the fact is we're not in this for personal gain. I'm not in this for YouTube subscribers. I'm not into this to get a TV show. I have a face for radio. We would be the worst TV show on television anyway, because we're really boring. And, <laughs> you know, and and that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that actually we've had location owners say to us that they're kind of surprised at, at how normal we are, first of all, which is a weird compliment, because um, this is not a normal hobby. Um, but also in that, you know, wow, you know, it's, it's no charge. I mean, we've had somebody, the owner of Grapevine, Tim and Tracy, they actually investigate with us. They, they were an owner of a location we first went to, and now they actually come with us to investigate places. And um, they said a relative emailed them going, whatever you're paying them, you're getting robbed. 
companies like we're not paying them anything so yeah where do you think that the um like the blocking to believing evidence that's in front of somebody's face comes from i think it comes from we as human beings have this unerring capacity to only believe what our what we to only believe what we want to and to stay within our comfort zones and to not adapt and not change. I mean, look at the world we live in. It's full of people who are unwilling to adapt to anything. Um, you know, and and it's getting even worse because you can't even combat that anymore. Everybody's set of facts is their set of facts. And I can I can show you a spirit walking in front of the camera doing the Charleston and you're not gonna believe it. <laughs> and I've actually just stopped engaging um, because you know what? There, everybody's faking. Everybody's faking. There's no evidence, and that's fine. If you believe that, that's great. Don't yell at me in my comments about it, but that's fine. And then I have some people who, they're awesome. They every time I say I don't know what an EVP is, they email me and tell me exactly what it's saying. And most of the time, they're not close. But I love the enthusiasm and I love the conversation that starts, and and it's great. So I, I love it, it's it's a double-edged sword because the people who aren't ever going to believe whatever you tell them or show them. Yeah, they're going to question everything, but you know what? They go away after a while because they'll find somebody else to troll who cares and who's going to engage them and troll back. But the people who are passionate about it and want to start the conversation, um, we've got to meet those people. So, you know, and and nothing dissuades them. Um, nothing dissuades them from that belief. And and sometimes, you know, I mean, we're very much in the middle. I always say I, I've been doing this seven years and I barely believe this stuff. Um, you know, we run into some people that everything that ever happens in the world is a result of paranormal activity. And that's not true either. And it's just as extreme as the other side. But you know what? I mean, to each their own. I mean, just don't, you know, uh, just as, as, as I say to the spirits, I respect you, respect me back. That's how life should be too. Dealing with the living is not that much different than dealing with the dead. Um, and, you know, and, and, and we've met some interesting people along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of respect, I want to know, like, do you ever have people um, commenting or speaking to you that it's disrespectful or harmful possibly to communicate with those who have transitioned? And how do you react if you have encountered that? I've gotten, I don't get, I haven't gotten disrespectful. I've gotten blasphemous. <clears throat> I've gotten the, uh, the, the comments of, you know, I'm going to hell and all that stuff because what we're doing is against religion and all of that. And again, if that's how you feel, great. Just don't tell me what to do. Um, and it's funny, I've gotten the other side of it too. I, I have a uh, somebody I work with, um, one of the few people I work with who actually knows this whole second life that I live. Um, and he's actually he teaches Bible classes and he does what he's very religious. And he, and he's, he and I've had a lot of really good conversations about this. And he's like, he goes, I see the room for it. I mean, the third part of it is Holy ghost. <laughs> like we admit that spirits exist. Um, I'll, I get the religious side of it a little more than, than, than that, but I don't get it as I don't get a lot of, of disrespect because people who you have to seek us out to find us. Like we're not going to be, we're not on TV, obviously. So if you're seeking out a paranormal video or you're seeking something out, chances are you're not just seeking it out to tell me I'm going to go to hell. You're probably seeking it out because it's something you're interested in. So I tend to get the people who think I'm faking everything more than I get the people who tell me that I'm spiritually adrift because of a hobby that I have. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I love the efforts and the normalization of the fact that this is part of our existence here. Like the energy aspect of like we just coexist with other energies that just may not be inhabiting a physical body. And the fact that there was a level of openness to even speak about it with someone who does a Bible class is really cool. Like it's very promising for what's to come. We have to learn. We have to. I mean, I've got. Uh, I read a book recently from an author who basically said, "If you do that, if you believe in spirits, you have no business investigating, and you're a complete nut job." Like you have to listen to counterpoints because actually, I got some good stuff out of that book, even though he 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 insulted me for 337 pages. It it was you know you have to you have to get all sides of everything because you can't be you can't. First of all, being well rounded in life is better than not being anyway but if you're going to go into this have an understanding of at least what you're trying to get into and and one thing that if you go in with a predisposed again that word predisposed if you go in going ah well this is all the spiritual world is this and it's either this this or this you're not going to learn anything have um, you um had anyone join your tours um who didn't have any previous kind of experience or really didn't have like an opinion on this and through like having an encounter with you um, shifted in, in views. Yes. The best one, the best one <laughs> example is my, is my late stepfather, God rest his soul. He, um, I come from, I'm from Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and there's a place in Newcastle, Pennsylvania called Hillview Manor. It is an iconic haunted location. Um, it, all the TV shows have been there. It is iconic. And my my mother and my stepfather uh for my 40th birthday actually because there's, there's a lot of money they bought us a night there um to go in it was like i mean it was like you know thousand dollars and they went and i never i refused to pay that much to investigate anywhere but they're like no we want to go now my i had family die in this place when it was an old when it was a senior home so oh, this was me. but my stepfather was an analytical guy like he didn't believe any of this and da, 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 da. and it's fine i mean he was open to it but he just didn't he didn't believe any of it existed but he was oh he, but i give him credit for going so my wife and i are in a hallway at hillview excuse me my wife and al are in a hallway in Hillview, and this book just flies off the shelf in the hallway and al for all his analytical mind could not explain how that happened <laughs> And we all, it was funny, my mother and I always joke, that was the best thing that could have happened to him because he, <laughs> he couldn't answer it. And that's how this, that's how someone, I love, I love skeptical people, even though the, de the definition of skeptic is becoming a little odd. I love the, I love it. Just come in with an open mind. If you're convinced by what you see, great. If you're not, great. Don't ruin it for anybody else, but you know, whatever you believe. So the way that that happened with Al, where something happened and he couldn't explain it and he went, oh, okay, maybe there is something to this. That is how, when we get people in these events and stuff that are skeptical, that's usually how it happens. Something happens that they can't explain and then they go, okay, well, you know. Now, are, will they admit that they can't explain it? That's a different story. Al did, some people won't. Um, you know, being able to say, I don't know, is an amazing gift as a human being that unfortunately not enough people have. But I love when people actually will go, huh, I, I don't know what to think about that. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. And did you find that after that experience, um, like it changed how, you know, he moved in the world or the 
it he it was something that he thought about a lot like he would talk about it a lot and he would watch our you know he would watch the videos that we would put up a little bit more closely and 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 he would try so hard to explain it away and uh and he wanted to do he wanted to do more um he wanted to do more unfortunately COVID hit and then he got sick and uh, not from COVID, but unfortunately passed away from cancer so he didn't get to do any more of it but um but it did fuel that it, he admit, he was finally like oh this is why they do this and, and that's and we find that that happens at the events that we do at the the the, the investigations with with you know I guess regular folks, not investigative, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's always a skeptic, and there's always someone there who um, who feels that they know every single spirit we're talking to, and they know and they feel the energy, and they communicate. Both are kind of a fun little thing to juxtapose against one another. <laughs> yeah, I think like you you mentioned something really important. It's like having that open mind. Like even if you don't believe it or you have your own opinions, just giving yourself the opportunity by having that open mind to allow for whatever other experience to unfold in front of you. And then you take it with a grain of salt. Like you do whatever you decide with that. It's okay um, to doubt, just don't dismiss. Yeah. And it speaks oh, that's to, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it speaks to what you had said about being well-rounded instead of being like, you know, narrow-minded throughout life and not being open to the other truths or realities that exist. And there's some amazing paranormal groups and people out there who do just that there's some amazing amazing investigators out there who do that kind of stuff there's always there's 10,000 people who do what we do so do you have any advice for someone who's interested in doing this but has no experience like what would be like a first step for someone like that yeah I actually I get this question a lot I get a lot of people who reach out to us I would tell people you know you don't know if you're going to run toward it or away from it until it happens so don't go out and spend $3,000 on cameras and EMFs and millimeters and ovule. Don't do that. There are plenty of places and ways that you can you can investigate or ghost hunt, which I don't like that term, but you can investigate or ghost hunt without have with only having to pay for admission. There are places that it's the first thing we did. Find a Rolling Hills Asylum or an iconic location. Heck, it's it's October. There's one probably down the street from them. It's going to have some kind of thing where they're going to bring in people like us and they're going to te like, teach you and they're going to let you use their equipment. And you don't have to. We're doing an event in um, Wayne County, New York in October called Paranormal 101, where the first 40 minutes is going to be us teaching them how to investigate method the methodology we use and the equipment. And then for the next two hours, they go out with us and use the equipment. And, that's and, pretty cool. And, and that's $25 instead of $2,500. That's how I always tell people to start. Find a ghost hunt thing. Find an event. Ghost Hunts USA uh, is a great website. They go to all these iconic locations. A little pricey, but man, they have every. They have all the equipment. Um, we went to an event of theirs. It was great. Um, those are the things you should do to start out um, because it can, it, you know, and it, it not only can it be expensive, but you can get in trouble. Like you can get like there's no one way to do anything in the field but there's a wrong way and if you just go in and start acting like zach bagans everywhere you go i mean i love the show but you know i love all the shows because they're fun to watch but you can't act like the people on tv do because a you're not going to get any evidence and b you're probably going to get pushed up down the stairs <laughs> you know it's 
it's not like what you think it's like. If you got the idea of what it's like to do this from watching TV, please go and and go to a ghost hunt, a real one, because most of the time you're sitting in complete dark, in complete silence, and nothing is happening. And I mean, there's two investigations that happen: the one you experience and the one the equipment experiences. And most of the time, you don't hear or feel anything when it's happening. Most of the time, we do a whole investigation. And Emily and I'll turn to each other and say, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I, I, I felt like we'll get something here. I felt like we'll get something here, but we'll see. So it's not even um, instant gratification. If you're in instant gratification, wrong field. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I don't see what happens. I mean, I'm, I finally caught up and I'm still, I was two, I was two investigations behind on evidence review up until last weekend. So I'm looking at stuff that happened. I was looking at stuff that happened in July you know, last night. And, you know, so instant gratification, no. <laughs> yeah. And also you don't have to review the evidence if you do a ghost hunt event. I always joke with everybody wants to be an investigator. So you have to spend 40 hours reviewing evidence. Oh, wow. Um, that's the part that even I go, oh my God, I'm staring at the same room for six hours and nothing has happened. Um, that's where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, because I feel like most people, and this is an assumption, of course, like a personal opinion, that most people might want to go and experience that, like, wow, this dramatic thing just happened to give them that, like, sense of, okay, maybe there is something beyond that we're not seeing. Like, it's that uh, validation almost that they're seeking. But I wanted to ask you, um, because you mentioned like if somebody's trying at, trying it out or wanting to start, the best thing is to go with someone, like do an experience like that because you either run from it or run to it. Um, does fear ever surface for you or has it ever surfaced when you were doing an investigation? It's interesting. I don't find any of this to be particularly frightening. Um, startle, I've been startled. Um, but what's interesting is, <laughs> no, I, I don't, you feel like something wants you in the room or something doesn't want you in the room, or you feel apprehension. Um, but no, I, I, it's funny, even when something happens, I have a, a very strange reaction to it. Um, in a recent investigation, I got a scratch on my leg, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes that's just how they communicate. But, and I'm like, I looked at the flashlight, I took a flashlight. I looked at the back of my leg. I started laughing. I walked over to Tim, said, hey, can you take a picture of this? And went on like nothing happened. Like, I, I just, I think everybody reacts differently to things. Um, we tend to not react. Um, you know, again, I hate to bring it up, but, you know, the TV shows were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, we don't curse 75,000 times and and yell and run around. A bit. We just don't, you know, and that's just how we're wired. Everybody's wired differently. Um, I'm a very sort of calm, stoic um, person, uh, especially when we investigate, because I'm very focused on what we're doing. So I've been apprehensive, um, but f fear, no, no, you don't get that. I mean, it's okay to be, it's okay to be frightened. It's okay to be, to be scared, but it's just, I look at it from such an, such an analytical and such a scientific or at least pseudoscientific perspective that I'm more interested in what's causing something than I am in like, could something happen to me? If something bad was going to happen to me, it would have happened by now. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, if your emotional state of being while being in an investigation can alter the energy or the experiences around you. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, I, I feel that it absolutely can. Um, 
again, my, my wife is more sensitive than I am, but there was at one time where we turned out, it was the second time we investigate a place, we usually get more because they, they recognize us, they know we can hear them. So I think sometimes there are, we get more interaction that way. And we turned on a piece of equipment and like 15 different voices came through it at the same time. The building physically shook, the floor physically mm -hmm. shook. And Emily just got overwhelmed um, emotionally. She said it was like 15 people like bum rushed her simultaneously. And when that happened, we just, you know, she stepped outside, we stepped outside for about 10 minutes so she could just kind of reset and came back in and continue the investigation. So when it does happen, you tend to, um, you just kind of have to step out of it. Like, you know, we don't lock ourselves into places, which I always find to be a funny little trope that that, the, that a lot of shows do. It's like, look, if something, if I want out of a place, uh, there's going to be a, a Dan-sized hole in the wall. Like, <laughs> out of a place, no, the flimsy little lock isn't going to stop me. So, so we went out, we stepped outside. She was fine 10 minutes later. And then we went back in and had a pretty good investigation. Um, I seem to remember we caught a voice saying, Emily's okay now or something right after we got back in I, I, I this was like this was like four years ago but I, I remember of that voice. I remember playing that for her so yeah so even they knew that they uh and they never did it again weirdly we never had that situation again uh you can read that however you want um Emily read it as okay well they're being courteous now they know one at a time <laughs> it's kind of how she uh she interpreted that that's so beautiful. I yeah, love that. it's beyond. Yeah, because it's really interesting. Like it makes me so curious. Like how did those um, spirits or that energy know her name? Well, you guys introduce yourself. Oh, but... it knows. they know your names. They know your names. And it, this is a place we had gone to before. Um, whenever we go to a place, we always get the owner's name. Like Grapevine Farms, we 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 do. We're there all the time. Tim and Tracy are now good friends of ours, but they say Tim's name. They've owned the building for twenty years. I'm like Tim. They should know your name. <laughs> like they should know. They know the employees' names. They, you know, it's 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 not shocking that they know who we are. Um, and especially since you know the place I'm talking about where this happened was the Worcester Inn, which unfortunately uh, closed when uh, Jim Bulo uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, the owner, great guy dear friend rest in rest in peace jim um but he um you know and it was a hotel so how many people had gone through there that couldn't talk to them and then all of a sudden we come in we can talk to them and then we came back to talk to them again so i think uh, and we caught a ton of voice evidence that night because i just think it was like wow these people can talk to us awesome let's talk to them and when they're speaking, is it exactly as you would hear any one of us here in the living speaking, or does it sound any like sort of distorted? It depends. Um, there are different classes of EVP. Electronic voice phenomenon is EVP. It's what it's when you capture something on a camera or a digital recorder that you can't hear with your ears. That's that's been designated as an EVP. And there are different classes. Like a class A EVP is sounds just like I'm talking to you right now. As vocal tone, it can have emotion attached to it. Um, the uh, a B is very much like a whisper. And that's the most common. And then there's ones that are just like, you can't understand them. And that's what we call a class C. The vast majority are B. Um, but what's interesting is we can capture different types in the same place. So the theory is that has to do with the amount of energy that they have at their disposal to do that. Like if you, the more energy you have, the more clear the voice can be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you hear it. Sometimes you can hear a disembodied voice. Um, it's it's a little weird when it happens because you're not necessarily most of the time when it happens, you don't think about it. And then I'm reviewing the evidence. I'm like, oh, that didn't come out of the machine I'm using. That was actually something I heard. Um, and of course, we use things like the spirit box, which is that thing everybody uses in the shows that does the radio signals. It sounds like the hate because it's a really annoying thing but it gives you that um it gives you instant feedback on what you're hearing and a piece of equipment also we use like that is called the phasma box which uses chopped up sound bars you get stuff in real time there um that's not necessarily an evp but the voices that we get just on our cameras are most often the whisper type that you're that you're talking about although the full vocal tones are awesome and I, i especially love when it's a kid's voice because the kids, they're always creepy. They could be singing happy birthday. Kids. <laughs> it's the movies. <laughs> um, so, and as you said that, you know, they know our names. Um, do you find that the spirits have um, a higher intelligence than we may or like have ever said anything that um, it's kind of like, oh, how do they know that about like whoever is there? Um, we've. I've gotten some evidence about them being very observant. You know, they, they, they paying attention. Now, some of them pay it. Some of them, there's two kinds of spirits that we, that we deal with theoretically, intelligent and residual. An intelligent spirit knows you're there. It's watching you. It'll communicate with us. It'll interact with us. A residual spirit just plays like a tape on a recorder. It's just energy that isn't aware of you. It doesn't respond to you. And sometimes residual energy happens the same time every day or the same time every month. And it's just playing on a loop over and over again. Um, But the intelligent spirits, I mean, it's funny. They sometimes there are certain spirits don't like certain people. David Hiltz at Grapevine Farms does not like me. We have EVPs of him saying he doesn't like me. And if I don't go into the room to investigate, we get more evidence. (laughs) There's a child spirit named Michael who does like me. Every single time we investigate, he tugs on my vest every time. Of course, he always waits for when I'm not prepared for it, but he, but you know, but he likes me and it's just, you know, like, but most of them like my wife better. So again, dead and living. Most people like my wife better than me in the normal world. So why wouldn't paranormal world be any different? (laughs) That's so interesting because it makes me wonder, I believe in past lives and um, reincarnation so it makes me wonder like if the two souls had an experience like prior to this lifetime that you know somebody's holding on to something because what would be the reason that this spirit doesn't like you you know it's so interesting i mean i you, you don't know me there are many reasons not to like me but it's uh but it but yeah it, it's interesting but again it's like with the living some people just don't like other people and yeah. David does not like me, and that's fine. He's allowed not to like me. Um, I always tell him, if he doesn't give us evidence, I'm going to come in the room. Now, I have, you know, I don't provoke, but I, I have fun with the idea that he doesn't like me. Sometimes I'll go sit in the room that he's in, in the chair he doesn't like people sitting in. When we're just up there regularly, I'll just go sit and hang out in that room for a little bit. And I can feel it. I can I can feel something. I, I, I can't explain the feeling. Um it's kind of like if it, how you feel when a dog growls at you, like you know that you really shouldn't be where you are, even though the dog's on the other side of like a fence and it can't hurt you and it's not going to do anything. It's still growling at you and you feel like you should move. That's what that kind of feels like uh, when you're in the presence of a spirit that isn't isn't necessarily your friend. 
And I have a question in regarding to the fact that you said, you know, um, those that may not know that you do this, like, um, like the, the, the double life that it can appear to be like, um, how, how has, how do you navigate that space in terms of like, you know, have you ever gotten judgments or anything like that from people in your normal life? The, it, it tends to go with, oh my goodness, I didn't know you were into that. Oh my Lord, I let's talk about it. Like it never goes the other way. Um, people are either really fascinated with it or don't give a crap. <laughs> and that's really what it is. Um, and very few people I work with professionally uh, know my double life. Um, the only time they ever discovered is if, it, if they bring up in a conversation and I, and I know a little more than I should. <laughs> you know, like I like, oh wow, how does Dan know all this theory about, you know, why is he talking about parallel universes and time not being linear? Like, what is he talking about? And then they're kind of like, oh, and then you but most of the people and now I'm also very careful about who knows about it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I won't show my hand to somebody if I think it's gonna be a problem, but there are way more people who are fascinated by it than just shut it off completely, I've discovered, at least in my own experience. So speaking of the parallel universe yeah. and time not being linear, because I definitely believe that time is not linear, you know, like we move through what is considered time and space, there is nothing. But um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, one of the theories on residual spirits is that it's a result that time is not linear and time curves and moves. And one of the theories about residual spiritual energy is that if the two times get too close together, they can overlap. So that would explain a residual energy that isn't necessarily seeing you or interacting with you. But like if somebody, you know, if you're getting close to somebody in a timeline or somebody's walking in a room in 1860 and it intertwines with today in 2022, you might see a reflection of that. You might see an image of that because the timelines are getting too, are, are close together. There's a, there's a whole, like field of theory about that. Um, that was my, that was the explanation that my intelligence can handle <laughs> because a lot of that, oh, you want some reading. <laughs> Those books are, are fun, but to put it in to, you know, and, and the problem is to talk about this stuff and you all know this as hosts of a podcast, you have to do what we call in my business talking crayon sometimes where you have to take something incredibly complicated and, and make it digestible and make it relatable. So that's the easiest way I can explain that because there are a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me that know way more about it. But I've always found that theory fascinating with time not being linear. I, I found it to be the one that personally I subscribe to the most as a non-paranormal reason for residual energy or even spiritual energy. I guess if the lines intertwine enough, you can talk to each other. But then it begs the question, is that person seeing me? Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't know the answer to that, but, but it, it just, again, answer, okay, it's that. Well, I've got 25 more questions then if it's that. So yeah. again, it's, uh, the best part of this is there are no answers, which is fantastic. And so trusting- and bad, actually. No, because it requires a level of trust in the unknown, because once that little bit of like doubt or like the second mind speaking to us, it can steer us away from those experiences that I was mentioning before. Like if you have a closed mind, you're going to be closed off. And the point for me, like on this human experience is to learn, experience and grow. So I think it's really cool. Yeah. And as for, um, you know, all the reincarnation, I haven't read enough, nor have I seen enough to be able to speak intelligently about it. Um, 
but the parallel, the time linear thing has to, I have read some stuff about that. So that's why I, ca I can't talk about the other side of that question, but the linear stuff, that, that's the stuff that I've read. Do you have any books that you recommend for getting started on learning about that? Um, you know, it's funny, like, even though I, <laughs> people joke with me that I don't like the TV shows, I actually, um, Zach Bagan's first book is really good. Um, it, it talks about just sort of getting into it. And I really like the mindset. It was before he got really famous. The second, his second book's a little not as good, but the first book was very much a, like a how to kind of thing, which I, I liked. It's a good place to start. Um, but there's also a lot of, there's so many, so much literature. Um, you could read anything from, you know, ghost hunting to dummies for Carl Jung. <laughs> like there's, there's a million things. Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend some, look, if you have a favorite paranormal personality out there, start with their, start with their stuff because you already like that person. And, you know, when you read it, you can decide whether you agree with it or not. Um, again, there is no one way to do this. Um, and, you know, that's the part where when people call paranormal a science where it gets really tricky um, because there's no control group. Everybody does it differently. And most people think their way is the right way. But, you, you know, I, I would recommend if you want to read a book, find somebody who you like. Like if you like Ghost Avengers, Zag Megan, you like Ghost Hunters, find something by one of those folks. If you because most people who are interested in this probably watch one of the shows. Um, it's funny, the more I the longer I've been doing this, the less and less I watch paranormal television. <laughs> yeah, because you see through it all. Yeah. Um, I also spend 40 hours looking at evidence of the paranormal and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm doing I think I'm going to watch hockey tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting your explanation in terms of how time isn't linear. It it makes me think of time travel and the way that you explain like the two timelines being close enough where you can like get glimpses of it. Do you have any thoughts on time travel? Um again, it's one of those things that you start thinking about it. If you go any deeper than like the Back to the Future movies, there are so many questions <laughs> yeah. that you have to answer. And weirdly, in a way, what we're doing kind in paranormal is kind of a form of that. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of these spirits we're talking to, they don't think it's September of 2022. They think it's 1910 or whatever era they're from. Um, I think it's the closest we're ever going to get uh, to time traveling is in being able to talk to the past. Um, Look, as, as human beings, we can't not, we, we're having trouble not screwing up the present. Can you imagine what we would do if we could go to the past? Oh, my Lord. Uh, uh, they've been trying to drag us kicking and screaming back to the past for the last, for about 20 years now, and it's not going well. So, um, no, I, I, I would think that the closest we come is talking to the paranormal, talking to spirits from the eras. Um, in terms of going forward, um, going to have to find a black hole for that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> time will slow down and all of that but you know let's get this i always say what you know when people talk time travel like hey, let's get this time period right first and then we'll then we'll worry about the other ones but uh that's I a agree. great point of view <laughs> yeah. yeah remaining in the present and now when you say like that the spirits um might be in like the 1800s 1910 is this something that they have communicated to you like how do you um confirm their era or when they existed you know, it's a lot, not directly, they don't usually directly tell us, but for example, um, in, a, in a home that's haunted, 
only the part that existed in 1860 will be haunted. The part they built on in 1972 will not have anything going on in it, which tells me that the spirits only occupy the space that they occupied when they were alive. So that tells us that they don't see the building in the same way that we see it because they can't exist outside of it. We know they can walk through hallways. We know they can go upstairs. We can hear them walking. Why do they not go here? Oh, because that doesn't exist theoretically in what they can see. Mm-hmm. We've had spirits tell us what the colors of the walls were, but they weren't, haven't been that color for 50 years. You know, we've had circumstantial evidence. Again, all of this, you have to piece it together. And unfortunately, because we're human, personal bias can come into it. Sometimes we get the an- sometimes we perceive the answer we want to perceive, and we have to be really careful not to do that. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of the evidence we've gotten is circumstantial. Like, what did this? You know, if we ask somebody, what did this used to be, and they tell us what it used to be, for example, like, or what is it now? Because we have to mix it up. We do try to talk in present tense to spirits, just to sort of, you know to help that and to help them think that, well, what are these people talking to me like it's not now for? Uh, we try to mix it up. Um, we've gotten enough circumstantial that I do believe that some spirits, at least from what they can see, are seeing what they know, um, which again, just begs the question, man, I, I would love to see what they're seeing. I would love to know, you know, Michael at Grapevine, the kid in the basement, man, what is, he, how does he see this room? Mm-hmm. And, and, and versus how I see this room. And that that's a question. Look, if somebody knows the answer to that, they can write a book and retire because I sure as heck don't have the answer to that. <laughs> it's quite fascinating to even ponder that. It's something I've learned. You can, get lost. you can absolutely get lost in your own mind doing this. And I've, I've watched a lot of people, unfortunately, get overwhelmed by it. You have to be able to just sort of turn it off and answer the question that's in front of you that you can try to answer. Don't worry about uh, the bigger picture. Uh, for what we do, look, you know, review the investigation and come to the conclusions for the investigation. Don't worry about the universe right now. Because <laughs> if you if you do, you'll never get anything done. I feel like that's such um, a takeaway I'm taking from this moment, having this conversation with you, because I tend to always, and not in relation to paranormal activity, but in life, I tend to look at the greater picture, like trying to figure out life's mysteries out there. But it's really grounding me down back into like what's in front of me right here, right now that I can work towards or, you know, just start there as opposed to trying to go and figure out and overwhelm myself with everything that could be. Yeah, compartmentalizing is an important thing that unfortunately not we all we all don't do as much as we need to. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what I do is a hobby. It is not my job. So I do have to take this hat off and put another hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, I have the kind of job where I have an open schedule a little bit and can kind of, you know, take time and do an interview for an hour if I have to uh, at a certain time because of the nature of what I do. So, And in doing this work and just, you know, throughout life, what is something that you value now that you once didn't? Hmm. Um, I don't know if value is the right word. I don't fear death as much as I used to like and and I could just be getting older um but at the same time like as I said before this whole experience has given me hope 
that you know we don't just end now some people view the spirits as this is really sad um my mother has investigated with us several times because she's fascinated with this it's a family affair my father-in-law has you know we don't have members really it's emily and i and the paranormal family we've met along the way and she finds it all sad um because these people are still here sometimes i i, I take a different view i i'm like okay because i've met enough spirits that want to be where they are you know, the spirit of, uh, we'll go back to the Worcester Inn. There was a spirit there of, of Jim's best friend who had died in the hotel. He died in room 217 and never got to say goodbye, died suddenly. And and I'm convinced based off the evidence we've received that he was there because of Jim. And it's unfortunate the building closed because now that Jim has passed away, I'll bet you Dennis isn't there anymore because I think he was there for Jim. And actually, our most fulfilling moment in doing all of this was capturing a conversation with Dennis where we said, um, you know, do you have a message for Jim? And we caught the voice, I love Jim. And it, it gave the owner closure um, that he never felt before, which at the end of the day, when you can do something like that, that makes it all worth it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's just seeing that death is not an end and seeing that there's, there's just so many more things out there that we don't think of. It's made me think about things I've never thought about, you know, and, and that's good. It has expanded the mind. Um, it's, it's introduced us to people with different philosophies. You know, I would have never met some spiritual mediums. I never would have worked with um, the, uh, the uh, Spiritual Institute of Oneonta that uh, they work on helping people train their minds to be open, like you were saying earlier. Like they're fascinating people that I've that I, I never would have met before. And you know, everybody we've met along the way has 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 been made the journey completely worth it. Like we've met some amazing spirits, but man, it's the living people we met along the way that have really been the shocker in all this. The stuff that we never realized, um, and they've been great. It really um, reflects back to um, the journey that we've been on on the podcast and like taking the first step to actually bringing the podcast to life. The amazing people that we've met along the way, yourself included. And it's only been through like taking those steps in pursuing things that are of interest to us, such as the podcast that has allowed us to even encounter people who um, have interests that I haven't even thought of prior to being in the position that I'm in now. Which leads me to my follow-up question, um, which is, um, what is your goal in the future for um, this hobby that you're doing, if anything? I haven't the slightest idea. <laughs> um, it's funny, I, I get that question sometimes, like, okay, well, I, when I say, oh, things are going really well, and everybody's like, well, what does that look, what does that mean? And I, I you know what, I like where we are. It's, it's something that my wife and I do together. It's something we enjoy. Now, we always, well, I always tell her, we can't say anybody we know's hobby is weird anymore. We're not allowed to do that. <laughs> um, and, our, and our teenage daughter does not yet understand she has the cool parents. But <laughs> at the same, I don't know what this is going to look like. It, it's already gone further than I ever thought it would. I mean, but it's, it's still a struggle in terms of, you know, we, we have trouble. We don't do... I don't, we don't walk into abandoned places. We don't trespass. We don't do public cemeteries. We do actual locations. And those are harder and harder to get um, because there are so many people doing this. I mean, we'll, we'll set, we sent out a hundred uh, messages out recently. We got one response that we ended up doing, 
but what's you know and and what's going on is people are going oh that's great it'd be fifteen hundred dollars for the night and because their places are cashing in on it which is great but so this year has been a big struggle um because it's of the popularity of it but where we are right now we're doing six or seven investigations a year we've partnered up uh we volunteered with an iconic haunted location called Hyde Hall. We work with their staff. We're actually volunteers up there. And, you know, and, and we've gotten access to that building because of it with their staff and nobody else does. And we do events and public speaking, which is great. I'm basically a professional public speaker in my professional life. So I enjoy the events that we do. And if it just continued like this, I'd be perfectly fine with that. We're not, I'm very realistic. I, I, we're not, you know, I have a, as I said before, I have a face for radio. We're not, we'd be the most boring television show in the world. And um, if my wife and I can continue doing this for the next 20 years, I, I think that would be, that would be just fine. That's really nice because it's the gratitude of what is currently, as opposed to like thinking further beyond it's really in the moment. I do have a question. Um, Cause you mentioned not going to like abandoned buildings or graveyards. Is that for a specific reason? Do you find that you steer clear of specific places like with this investigation? Um, well, we don't go to, I mean, <laughs> I, I recently had somebody tell me about an abandoned building and I'm like, well, you know, somebody owns everything, right? You know, don't trespass. Uh, don't trespass, don't climb fences, just gonna get arrested and it's just stupid. Um, we don't do cemeteries. And this is actually something my wife and I disagree on. I, I don't like to do them because I always feel like you're playing the ding dong ditch when you go to a cemetery, which is the game where you ring the doorbell and run away. Mm -hmm. I, I just find I feel it's a little disrespectful. I, I, I don't know why I feel that way. I'm not looking down on anybody who does that. I'm not my wife even disagrees with me on it. I just if you're resting peacefully in your grave, why am I going to bother you? Like, that's how I feel about it. And, the, you know, the opinions expressed by me probably are not the vast majority of the paranormal community. Um, <clears throat> the only time we'll investigate in a cemetery is if we're going to a location and we want to visit the grave of a person, known person who is said to haunt the place. We do that a lot. We'll visit the grave and, and pay our respects before we go in. But, yeah, we don't. And, you know, we'd be able to do a lot more investigating if we wanted to go into an abandoned building or a cemetery. But what what I love to do, what we love to do is we love to find museums and businesses that have this, don't understand necessarily what it is, just want verification. They don't want to get rid of it. They don't want to, you know, and then helping them, you know, like creating a, a, a video for each investigation, which I love to do, and sometimes help them understand, you know, how to not only live with it, but also how to, uh, you know, gain some popularity from it, gain some business off of it. Um, you know, these events that we do for places, they can't do them on their own. So they get to know us and we're willing to do them. And it helps everybody because if the museum is getting donations, the museum is staying healthy and the museum is staying in business. And, you know, we try to help because I have a business background. My wife's a professional as well. So we, we kind of help them understand how to do that too, which is, which is, which is something we also like to do. So it's all encompassing uh, why we do it and where we see it going. But that's awesome that it's like there's so much more to it than just, oh, it's a hobby. I'm going to investigate. There's a lot more. So much more to it. Um, now, we don't have <laughs> – we were working with a great uh, group the, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he said, oh, we have seven regular members and two probationary members. And I looked at Emily, and I'm like, you're supposed to have members? 
<laughs> so, I mean, Ellie and I do 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 it all. I mean, we from investigating to reviewing the evidence to making the videos to creating the marketing to doing all this. It's just her and I are the sound of um, well, I guess two hands clapping, not one hand clapping. But um, there is so much work, and that's why I actually find that a lot of groups don't necessarily last long or publish their evidence because it's just no. Who has the time? Like this is a uh, uh, you know, I should have taken up fishing. It takes up less time, but, uh, but you know, we, it's a labor of love, but at the same time it does, you know, once October's done, I, I'm kind of like, Oh, all right. I can take a break for a month or two. <laughs> and I have one more question about boundaries. Do you, um, like, have you ever set boundaries with like in your own personal space that you wouldn't use equipment or, like if somebody, a, a close relative or loved one or friend has passed, like, would you try to do something with the paranormal investigation? If they ask. Um, it's a very deep personal thing. And if somebody says, you know what, I, I'd really like to try. Um, I'm not opposed to it. They, But I, they, I do make sure they understand, you mm -hmm. know, like it, 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 it's, yeah, it's turning on a piece of equipment. But at the same time, you know, you got to live with whatever is said. And it also live with what isn't said, you know, except the fact that if nothing shows up, that does not mean this person doesn't want to see you or doesn't care about you or anything like that. It, you, it, this stuff, if we understood how it happened and when it happens and why it happens, I wouldn't need to review 40 hours of footage every email, every, every investigation. I'd be able to just, you know, time my watch to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we've had people, and I think my wife and her family did something one time um when it, when they got kind of all together i don't remember if it was i don't remember if it was enlightening or not i think i had to review it because i understood i understood the the some of the equipment has a weird way of talking but but yeah i mean if, if somebody asks we will but it's a personal thing it's a really personal experience it's a personal experience when you don't know the spirit let alone when you do that adds a whole other element to it yeah because now like emotions are involved so it changes things. Yeah, I told my wife when I when I'm gone, I will only communicate with her through the spirit box because it's her least favorite piece of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, so Dan, we have a, two questions that we like to ask all of our guests. Can you tell us what being looks like and feels like for you? Being as in um, physical or not physical. However you take it. Okay. Being, I will, I will, I will then interpret that to being is to mean existing. Um, for me, I think being is this is the, the the simple act of being actually is something that I think a lot of people have trouble doing, uh, myself included. It's you know, living within the moment and not worrying about the moment is how I think we should all strive to be a being or being. Um, so I, I think that in terms of being, I think it's basically just trying to do the best we can with whatever we have in whatever situation we're in. Because, you know, in being, you're not always going to be in a place that is optimal. But you know what? Whether you're on a roller coaster, in a traffic jam, or at work, you're only getting one of that second. Like, that's it, 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 something that's always interesting. I, I don't have a lot of deep metaphysical metaphysical thoughts, but the idea that this moment will never come again. And, uh, you know, and sometimes when I'm 
playing a video game, I'm like, wow, I just wasted this these 40 minutes of that will never happen again. But <laughs> but at the same time, it, it's relaxing and it de-stresses you. But yeah, so for being, what I would think is that, you know, being in terms of existing is that nonstop, never-ending conflict between being what you want to be and being who you have to be at the same time and trying to find that balance and trying to find the way to just, you know, be the best version of yourself despite all the distractions, which is something that every single person alive, every single human being uh, struggles to do uh, their entire life. Yes, I love that answer so much. Like you really um, have this ability to ground down into the present moment, regardless of like the distractions and all the other things that can be happening. You speak in a way that it brings it back to like right here right now it's very grounding in the way that you explain things yeah it's a great skill maybe i'm a trainer so that's what i do with my life i i teach people how to take complicated products and sell them so that's, that's, that's probably why i do that or and yeah like because of your way of being that is why you're doing that um, and it's interesting because earlier in the conversation, you mentioned using tourmaline and I had wanted to ask you why you use the tourmaline because it's such a grounding and protective um, stone to use. So I, I use it because I believe it works. Like yeah. that's really what it's like. I don't, I'm not the kind of person to wear a cross. Um, I tourmaline was given to me as a gift by somebody um, in the field who I respect and uh, the medium that I was talking about earlier. Um, and I'm like, all right, well, I've seen enough from her that if she thinks this is valid, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, I'll, that I will absolutely wear it. And I have that bracelet on every single time we do an investigation. Um, just like my wife, ever since the stair incident, wears the cross. She feels that protects her. I feel the tourmaline protects me. Therefore, we are protected. Yeah, absolutely. It's the power of the mind, because regardless if you have it or not, as long as you're believing it, it is. Yeah. And our second question, is there any message that you'd like to share that hasn't been spoken about? Any message I would like to share that has not been spoken about? Within this conversation thus far. Yeah, well, I knew. I, yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't going to go out on a limb. <laughs> hey, let, let's talk baseball. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so, because I tend to just ramble anyway. Uh, I tend to say everything I want to say. But I, 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 I'll take the moment to reiterate um, to anyone listening who is interested in this kind of thing, just be careful. Um, you know, because, you know, it's not as dramatic as, as you'll see on TV and stuff like that. But you can you can still it can still hurt like and it's not just talking about spirits i mean walking around abandoned dark buildings and and, and it's not safe there have been people who've died um if you're going to do this please do it the first time with people who have done it before don't just walk into a an unsafe place or, or go somewhere that's not safe uh for it um go with people who have done it before because you know that experience will help and you can learn a lot from them and do those events because I, I get, I, it, you know, I, I hear it all the time. I see it a lot where people just go out and they either get arrested because they're not supposed to be there or they, or they get hurt or something, you know, from a spiritual side happens or whatever. So I just like to reiterate that in conversations that this is a fantastic field, a fantastic hobby. Um, but you have to be careful because if you go looking for trouble, you're going to find it. And 
um, just be careful. That's that's the thing I always like to convey to people. I actually have one more question. Is there any quote or mantra that um, you live by or that you use often in your life? Um, <laughs> you know, in my professional life, <laughs> my team's tired of me saying you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, <laughs> my, my, my team, uh, I think, does a, a game based on how many times I say that on a call. <laughs> um, you know, it kind of changes by the, by the day. Like, it, it's, you know, there's no... I, you know, it's funny, after we were done, I'm going to think of one that, that I say a lot. And if my wife were here, she could probably roll a bunch of them off. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think it's just, you know, just do the best you can. Like, it's, we're not perfect and we've, nor should we expect to be. I always tell uh, people we're imperfect beings dealing with imperfect beings. So we all, you know, just have a little bit of patience because, you know, from my professional life to personal life to to this hobby here, that that's true. I'm an imperfect being trying to communicate to an imperfect being. So, you know, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Dan, thank you so much for sharing time and space with us today for this conscious conversation. If you want, we're going to link all of the information in the show notes. But if you want to let anybody listening who has interest where they can find you. Yeah, sure. We have a website, uh, www.orangecountynyparanormal.com. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. Um, I think that's all. I think we're on Twitter. Yeah, nobody uses Twitter. Um, <laughs> but uh, Facebook, you, Facebook's where you can get the the updates and 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 hear about the events we're doing. Uh, and all our videos are there and on YouTube. So I appreciate that uh, ability to plug. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you shared with us today. No problem. I appreciate you. Thank you for having us. Well, no, this was great. A lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. Thank you. thank you for making time to join us. No problem. Anything else, let me know. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Have Many a great blessings. day. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Continue flowing in your own space by simply being. If this resonated with you and you feel called, please be sure to follow us, like, and share. Until next time, wherever you go, give yourself Space, space to flow. flow. <laughs> oh, Peace out, family. family. <laughs> <laughs>because what reminded me like in the conversation the unification of um groups who have maybe opposing views or that separation that can exist i was so like heart warmed and heart filled when he was saying like that there is room in his field for that to change i was like yes like absolutely because obviously like mediums or those who say that they're mediums if they have any um and I don't want to say that they're not real because, again, I firmly believe that everybody has this ability to communicate and work with energy, whatever that looks like for them. But if they have like some kind of doubt, I know myself, like if you ever try to do something and you have a little bit of a doubt, it might not work. So if somebody has that pressure of like, OK, these machines are going to be here or devices are going to be here to either prove or disprove me, it can kind of... Um, like, you know, something might not happen that would have happened had that person not had that pressure. Yeah. So it's really like bridging the gap between different worlds that are currently existing. And you know I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps like those who think in more analytical perspective see that there is things beyond and help validate those who 
are mediums or like do this for a living or have been in conversation with someone who speaks of um, connecting with the other side. And I think it's um, really heartwarming as well for those that may be grieving or those that may have concerns of um, life after this life. Um, And it goes back to that sentiment that you were sharing about the unification, the bridging of that gap so that uh, we know that like we're all in this together and that there's more to this and like this existence is always and forever yeah and it's really cool because like in the conversation with dan i know he kept referencing himself like um like it almost gave the vibe of like a simple like you know like he doesn't go there like he said something i don't remember the exact verbiage but about like philosophical or mm-hmm. um, like the metaphysical but like in his way of being he actually is living that through like he dropped so many gems throughout the conversation that really helped me like return to the present moment yeah absolutely and it was really beautiful to witness like how it brings forward again that idea that like within the spiritual community and i say that with like air quotations or like whatever like people are labeling things as it doesn't have to be so dramatic it doesn't have to be so theatrical it can just be a way of life and you don't have to label it or identify with that way of life you can just be and in your way of being there's such a great ripple effect from that yeah because these um notions that we put on certain things that carpamentalize our existence can almost take away from the fact that that is a way of life like being spiritual or being into metaphysical um, perspectives without labeling it that like it can it can already be yeah and through labeling it can kind of take away from it and it can create a separation yes it's that whole concept like i always think of s3p the silent third partner because it's like once we start speaking on something you're taking away from it and that's really like i'm grounding in on that being the concept of being it's like being without all that extra you know because and through speaking on it you're taking away from feeling it experiencing it because now you're it's kind of like a distraction almost instead of just like feeling it and fully being in the essence of whatever is being experienced in the moment the moment like we speak on it we take away from being in the moment yeah and it makes me think of these energies or spirits that dan or other investigators encounter it's like there's so many questions as to like you know what is going on with that energy like what are they experiencing or like why are they even there you know like what happened because of my beliefs of like karmic cycles and Um, reincarnation is like you know what happened that this energy is here like there's obviously a purpose to keep going so it's pretty cool it's really interesting it's so interesting because prior to actually having this interview with dan i had like this visual that it was going to be like someone in a mask with like a distorted voice like being all like theatrical and and not what it actually is so i love the, the normalization that he provides in his way of being because he's just a regular guy that has a regular job that is interested in something that is very normal and regular to being an energetic being in this experience so i really love that way of grounding in this concept which also helps support the bridging of this being as normal as being alive here in the present because it's all one yes and it really like i love the emphasis on the normalization of it because it is normal like it's the way of life if you just look at the outer world around us the way that the trees have essence and they might die and then they're reborn like everything in nature reflects that 
but because i i do like i'm leaning into it more so being like a fear of the unknown that the humans might experience that it becomes like oh my god that's creepy that's weird like i don't want a part of it it's satan it's like all the you know like how he said like people think that they go investigate and find like who knows what in a basement and that's not the case like there's such a wide variety to it like there is with every single thing in life so i love like seeing somebody who could be perceived again like air quotations as normal like doing this because it is like normal and it's not even normal you know like because normal isn't real like what is normal yeah and it reminds me of just like being in a grocery store like we have no idea the person behind us in line like what they're into like the way that you know he is the way that we are the way that Mm -hmm. anyone can be uh, or appear to be out in the public is very normal and it's just very what is and um, I love the mention of the fear because all these perceptions that we can have that can create this kind of like distance with um, bridging the gap or like holding the space to understand and understand that this is all part of this experience is like rippling out and becoming something of the past yeah like just speaking to you right now it really brings forward that concept of like getting rid of the preconceived notions the judgments the opinions and giving everybody an opportunity to just be themselves like whatever that is there is no standard there's no one way to do everything there's no one size fits all it's erasing what normal looks like erasing what crazy looks like erasing what weird looks like all of these different labels that have aided in separation as opposed to unifying all people. Yes, absolutely. And it not only empowers others to be themselves, but it empowers us, you, whoever listening, to really take a look at the interest that may be underlining in the back of the mind, but feels like, you know, outside of what normal is. And it's like redefining that. So it's a very empowering approach. And all it requires is an open mind